page 90 they, they had okay. we left off like or at least because i i would know considering i was the kind of the rate limiter there but <laughs> um they had just gotten to the end mm, where that's right. you know um their hostess had not yet started you know telling her story um <clears throat> and uh, actually we, we didn't know any of the characters at the end yet but that is true it. yeah but all that all that happened is that we got there so. that is true yeah yeah um i would say even even two and a half weeks removed from reading it um i would definitely say that this is on my mount rushmore <clears throat> of books i've read it was really? so good yes it was so good <laughs> I, I, adam I, I where thought... are you at last time we rated it at the beginning i believe or at the end. Yeah, perhaps. I'm like I'm like a strong eight or nine because here's the thing, I the first ninety pages, ten, the next forty to fifty, five, and then you know I guess like the remaining like a hundred and ten, ten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> where there was like, honestly, I didn't like the hostess story. Um, I thought it was That's like a big chunk it's a big chunk it's a big chunk like that's the 40 to 50 i'm referring to and that right that was the story of the marquee right correct okay correct and i i, I found that one kind of... de la pomeray that's correct yes yes okay and i don't know i just like with with that story it wasn't the story itself that was boring but i found the telling of it kind of grueling to be mm. honest like the constant starts and stops like mm. And it's not that the other. I, actually, I, let me try to pinpoint exactly what it was. I wonder if we maybe maybe, if we, maybe maybe I found the story boring. To be hmm. honest, yeah. I wonder if we had different experiences reading it because, like that, that was the part where I was reading very much um, without a time crunch. So I was kind of free to read with respect to the breaks, like at my pleasure. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of I didn't find it. I would have given that section of the story like a, a seven. So for me, it went 10, 7, 10. You know what I mean? Yeah, 10, 5, 10. Like I said, <clears> like <throat> I, 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 it, I just didn't like that area of the story. Um, I mean, there were, there were elements of it that were pretty funny. I mean, I yeah, definitely... I mean, it goes on for like 50 it's, it's a plus long pages. Story. This is actually huge. Yes, it's definitely but a it, long story. But small in comparison to the 250 overall pages. You know what I mean? So, but... True, true. But I'm going to be honest, like that like, was, yeah. but like form. that was like an issue in getting me to read it because whenever I'd pick it up, I would be, I found it hard to get back into it in that section. And I found oh. it even, I, I found it hard to push. Like there were sections of this where I was reading like 40 pages in the hour. Hmm. Happily, it was so easy. It was wonderful. It was like funny laugh out loud funny mm -hmm. where i was just cackling and just yes. like just reading with like the utmost pleasure but that section it was like i was like really pushing through those 50 mm. pages because honestly like, like i got that text from you saying like oh once i got to page like 160 170 the, the rest i just like literally binged the rest and that just was actually mike's that was my experience too actually uh but it no, wasn't exactly that, mine but yeah um i, I think that was I, a yeah. dip that was a dip i thought it was a dip yeah i like i don't know i like, didn't I, mind it um but i definitely experienced a thing where like especially because it's like stories nested within stories nested within stories if you like put it down in the wrong place 
it's really a struggle to pick back up. I mentioned oh, this in the yeah. first part, I think, where like I just had to go back a few pages until I was like a natural place where I could reorient myself um, whenever I started and stopped. So that mm. definitely doesn't help like the structure. Um, but I think for me, it would be kind of like a, I think originally I said it was like an eight and I think it dipped to like a six and then back to an eight for me. Um, okay. I don't think this is a Mountain Rushmore paper or not a paper, but a no- novel novella for me. Um, but it was definitely enjoyable. Yeah, I, I don't know if you if you force me to actually spell out what my M- Mount Rushmore like. I was talking like books in general. It might not make the top. I don't know. I don't know. I definitely. I, I don't definitely mean to dissuade you. It. Like we were. It seems like I was kind of like the outlier in the first part as well. That's um, if, true. If, if you if you asked me, is this a top book you have read? Yes, I thought this was an, an amazing book, and I would totally recommend this book to people. Oh, yeah. like so. This, so like, you know what I, I like, like about what, this? Without book? a doubt, it's that. You know what this, I mean? So. It, this is like a very easy blanket uh, recommendation. Like, I, I don't have to know a lot about a person to recommend this book. You know I don't know. Really, really. I, I feel I, like I, I would have to be making some strategic observations in order to really recommend this. Really? See, this is totally a Totally agree. Oh, see, I'm, I'm yeah, doing I, this as a Part book. of the reason I think I rated a little bit lower is like, I was it was enjoyable, but like... Really? You, you I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't just like, you know... <laughs> So I'm, on like social media is like pinned to the top. It's like read Jacques the Fatalist. I, I'm seeing this book as somewhat of a litmus test. Then where it's like I would have to like recommend a, this to almost a ten. You're a moron. <laughs> 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 Especially if you read it as moron. <laughs> no, yeah. but it's like if you if you actually dislike this book, I'm not sure that like me and that person would be compatible. Like, imagine disliking this book. Yeah, I definitely didn't dislike it. It was just like, um, you know, there were moments that were, you know, amusing. I, I didn't experience that kind of, like, rush through the, like, last 80 or so pages like you described. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I actually read that in multiple parts the same way I did the first part. Um, but it was it was very, very amusing. Murder. Thief. Fire. Yeah. Uh, that's my response to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Did, did, did you guys have any? Um, I don't know. Did you guys have any like one-off quotes that you thought were funny? There, there was one that I found very. Um, I, I got like a good grin at on. Um, this, this is just. It doesn't matter the context, but uh, like the master is telling Jacques about uh, someone he used to know. Like before, he said. Um, there were days when he was tempted not to believe in the Bible. And Master says, why was that? And Jacques says, because of the repetitions in it, which he regarded as idle chatter, unworthy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he used to say that people who repeated themselves were idiots who took those listening to, to them for idiots. I was like, yeah, that, that actually does like that is the Bible. It's very like idle chatter. Was that his grandfather? The I one, who, so. the one yeah. who used to kind of gag him as a child? Yeah, yeah, it was. I had a kind of good grin at that because I was like, honestly, like, yes, the Bible is actually incredibly boring and repetitive. Extremely boring. Yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's very tough to pick up and read. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I found a one off quote. Um, There's no context. If you are innocent, you will not read my work. If, on the other hand, you were depraved, you may read me without consequence. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I literally, I was just like, oh, I, like, I, truly, I tell you, I am depraved. <laughs> I loved that. I, I loved yeah, again, that quote. Really funny. Um, 
and, and, and like, also like in, like in a similar vein he kind of goes on and says like okay but if it is in fact a great work you will not condemn me for the vulgarity you know and it'll be widely read and so much the better and if it's in fact vulgar but not great work it will not be widely read and so much the better for that so yeah. or so much the worse i think he says so you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so i I think one of the things just like overall um, that I think limited my appreciation of the book is that I, and this I think was mentioned in the introduction as well, but I think this was supposed to be kind of like a um, critique of the novels coming out at the time. So mm. it's kind of like is dated sort of in that way where my impression of like novels, which, you know, it's not like my, I don't read like very many like traditional novels. I don't think, but I have read a few including classics. Um, but like, I feel like I would have a much deeper appreciation if we were kind of in like a landscape where like people publish novels and that's basically like what you read and that's like it. So mm. the, some of the criticisms and like, um, you know, humor and satire would come off a little better then. When did, um, when did the three musketeers come out? I honestly haven't <laughs> looked this one up by, uh, what it was that the Alexander Dumas. Was that his name? Dumas. I, I'm not sure. Dumas. Yeah. I, yeah. cause I, cause I, I know that's an, I, I've never actually read like, what you about know. Don Quixote? Was that 1800s? Oh, really early. Okay. Really early. Like the... 1844 think... is the Three Musketeers. Really? Okay, okay. What's yeah. Don Quixote? <clears throat> that by Cervantes? Yeah. I would have thought that was... I don't know. Early 1700s? Okay. Maybe late 1600s? Well, I'll Google it. <clears throat> oh, published I, 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 in English in 1612. Whoa. I don't know okay. when it was actually written, though. <clears throat> wow. Jesus. That's extremely ancient. Wow. I've never read it, though. I mean, no, I... no, neither have I. Um, there's a funny Borges story about that, actually. Mm. Um, we, should actually we should actually read that one time. It's very funny. I'd be it'd, be nice, it'd be nice to go back to Borges at some point. I would like that, actually. Um, okay so like i know i i know you guys liked this part the story a little bit less than i did but like the the story of the um the marquee um just because it's like you know one of the first things that we read i actually i did find it funny that um like the um uh something la pomeraine what was like the, it was like mademoiselle yeah uh, de la um, de pomeraine. Pomeraine, yeah it, i actually did kind of like i found it interesting how she like she set up that very elaborate plan to betray her um not husband but sort of like once lover kind of yeah it was sort of like friends yeah and, and and like i don't know like the way the story was set up you definitely like felt that this guy was kind of like a bit of a bastard where <laughs> like they seemed to be very happy together and then he was just like for no reason at all just kind of like grew tired of her you know it's just like he, he was like a very yeah. unlikable figure um yeah yeah, and even like the characters who were listening to the story, like Jacques and his master, I believe, are kind of commenting on which one's like more like devilish, right? Yeah. Um, the the marquis or you know, Madame. But and, but and... but 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 even that though, like okay, so we there was like some um <clears throat> I don't know, I get I, I forget what you would call that, but kind of like to, to bookend the story, like mm. okay, Diderot kind of like engages in dialogue with the reader where he's like almost like okay. You at the moment, you as the reader, you're freaking out at the duplicity of, you know, uh, Mademoiselle de la Pomeray. And it's like, I'm not really. 
You know what I mean? I, no, I guess it's like I, I, I guess yeah. I guess like I, I, guess yeah, I agree. Maybe, I think I think I feel like that was like a bit dated where it was like, you know, any man reading this like maybe in the 18th century was like, I can't believe a woman would have done this. But you know, 100%. You know, but but now it's like, yeah, clearly the Marquise was like, you know, the treacherous duplicitous <laughs> one himself. I mean, mm. you know, just coming to her house constantly and just like you know, talking about it, like how he desires like this young girl, and and it's just like yeah, it was he was like like torturing her with that. Yes, and it's like I mean, <laughs> he basically just let him torture himself. I, right? I it honestly, to a certain extent, it's, yes. But like the thing that I thought that was actually really interesting, not really interesting about the story, but it just like it kind of made me reflect. Um, because she sets up that like elaborate plan, which actually seems pretty ingenious at first. Um. And, you know, he kind of like he gets him, you know, she, she there's that whole plan to kind of like take him for everything he's worth and leave him loveless uh, and kind of betray him in the process. But then, like, he actually in the end, her plan kind of unravels and he actually does get that beautiful young girl and he loses nothing like and, and they and they just go off to the countryside and spend a few years there together. And I was just like. I don't know. It actually kind of made me think of like two things. One is um, like Giffen, you'll, you'll recall from Ecclesiastes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I remembered that quote from Ecclesiastes where it was like, you know, I don't remember it verbatim, but but it was Solomon saying like, um, you know, don't don't lust after revenge for there is no justice on earth. You know, the sinners do not get their just desserts, nor do the saints get their just rewards, but time and chance happen to them all. Or Remember that? It was just like, like that, it, it kind of made me think about that too, where if she would have just like, I don't know, I, it kind of made me think of like, okay, yeah, this woman was like wronged, but like if she would have just kind of moved on, like she, she might've had a happier life. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, both of the people kind of seem to have been <laughs> performing less than admirably. Um, yeah, but I well, definitely, definitely vindictive. With, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with Adam's perspective. Where like the the narrator was like trying to cool us down. I'm like, I wasn't really that like irate. <laughs> like if I was a duke, you know, walking around with like, <laughs> like horses and grain, yeah, um, bags. Um, <laughs> per- perhaps I would you know feel a little bit more sympathetic. You know, like oh, a woman deceive me. Uh, but like it, it's super dated <laughs> but, like no it really was super dated i was kind of just like curious as to what like was going to happen at that point whenever i was like being like you know calm down did you guys also okay we actually didn't talk about this but in the um sartre <clears throat> existentialism is a humanism he had that one section it was only a few sentences where he remarked on the fact that there's actually very little difference between sort of like play acting and real experience of emotions where he says like remember this was kind of when he was talking about i think so the young man's choice and he says you know if he if he thinks he must merely pretend to love his mother by staying that is actually like what it would be to love his mother like the act of staying is even to fake that action is to sort of do the action still right kind of like it reminded me of his you know, like his whole thing about like, there is no potentiality and that, that kind of stuff with his um, like mantra. It, there was the, it, that it, the girl, like the young girl kind of reminded me of that in a way where she like, you know, she's very duplicitous herself in having no real interest in this guy, but wanting to kind of take him for all he's worth. And then you get the sense in the end where she actually might have developed like true feelings through fake acting for this guy. I don't know. Maybe it made me like think about the, the that, that Sartre quote there. And it was like, 
I don't know. It's like de- we've got like I, I. It made me think about like maybe we have like less of a firm hold on our emotions than we think we do in some sense. <clears throat> yeah, I I, di- I didn't go that direction personally, and I definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just definitely felt like you know these were two sort of destitute people that you know had hopes of being rewarded i mean it's not as like you know philosophical as you're taking True. it but they, they, they had serious hopes of being rewarded in this duplicity mm. and it seemed like you know in the end all they got was shame so like that's why she had that sort of freak out where while she was you know begging at his knees like kissing his feet you know just begging for his forgiveness it, mm. i don't know if that was love um, or if she had developed feelings, yeah, it you definitely, don't know. It de- it, definitely it, it, an incentive there to like, you know, cover some of your losses, it right? Seemed, yeah. it you spend like months I, yeah. developing. But that this, like, that was persona. the thing that kind of freaked me out. Almost is like, you almost wonder if like, like from her perspective, do you almost lose sight of like your own emotional reality under those circumstances? Like, I just made me kind of wonder. I th- well, she I think she didn't she didn't see too much of them though. You know what I mean? Like she, that's true. Yeah. They, like, like they really did keep the, you know, the meetings infrequent and it seemed like a lot of time certainly had it been invested in this scheme, but the, mm. like the bonding aspect wasn't something that was necessarily focused on. I mean, I mean, you could point to instances like, okay, they had this sit down dinner together where, you know, he was, you know, making jokes and they were laughing, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, you could point to those, but, that wasn't something emphasized for me, like the bonding. It just seemed like she was a young girl who had been manipulated by maybe her more jaded mother. Mm. And I mean, this is know, like a prostitute yeah. and like the prostitute's mom slash manager, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. like this is basically like they they risked a lot. I mean, it already kind of like <laughs> they weren't really doing great to begin with, but they risked <laughs> even that business. To like go along with, um, you know, in good faith with Madame uh, de la Pomeray. Yeah. Um, and at that point, like, you know, this girl's about to be, I mean, part of like this grand revenge was like, it was supposed to be the humiliation of like this gentleman, um, Marquis, you know, <laughs> marrying a po- prostitute, right? That's like that, that was like the revenge, right? Mm. Um, so she was about to be outed publicly as a prostitute. So, like, <laughs> her she wasn't going to be getting too much out of it in the end it seemed like <laughs> unless like madame de la pomeray was like really gonna like set her up after this so at this point like when things were kind of like not going perfectly like i totally see as like mm. I, I i understand like i should say the mixture of emotion because like simultaneously like you think that this guy might actually you know treat you well right like he's not like a complete villain he's just kind of a scoundrel um um but like also you're kind of faced with the prospect of like well if if he does if i do like actually just beg at his feet and he actually does kind of take pity on me because like i know he's attracted to me like i'll probably live a better life than like you know (laughs) going back to like being an exposed prostitute you know at a young age but but i do i i agree with your larger point though jordan that um like like giffen's saying right now like okay yeah, it seemed like it was more of like an act of desperation in the moment. But at the same time, like, yeah, Madame de la Pomeray, like she didn't get her revenge in the end. Like that mm. wasn't the revenge, she, you know, she ultimately sought. 
and <laughs> they and, went to the countryside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so, so your, so your point still stands. I completely yeah. agree with that, but I'm not sure they ever, uh, that she ever fell in love with him. And I, I don't know about that. I but actually certainly, do certainly, think, yeah. I do think there's like a, a kind of element where like the blending of emotions can actually kind of like make it hard to decipher them. Like if you're in this position where like, yeah, your position of desperation and you kind of like are putting yourself in that situation where like, just please like, you know, take pity on me. Like, at a certain point, like, can you really like separate like the the um the fact that like your your situation might be improved by this guy from like the you know from him right like I think or, you or, might or develop from, feelings like, there. Yeah, I was just pointing to that right. weird ambiguity there, where it's like it's it might I could actually imagine it being like very difficult to discern almost like manufactured feelings from organic ones from like our perspective. No, from like, her story. No, no, yeah, no, that's, but, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent agree. I found that like kind of interesting to think about. I mean, she proposed kind of like, do. That, if, like if you go to like, like the like the text. I mean, I don't have that in front of me, but I think she proposes like fifteen different things. She's like, you know, let me die, kill me, you know, strike <laughs> me down. Like, I mean, she's like, you know, show mercy at everything. It's like, it seems like everything is collapsed and. And he's um, irate for a while too. Oh yeah, and, and, and you also and she, get like, the she sense she faints. I think like once or twice. Oh yeah, she definitely. You, she was like really not in a good condition. No, no, totally. But you also get like the sense that she was the most honorable character of them all. I mean, oh, yeah. she seemed to be most affected by any act of duplicity that she took a part of, or that she took part of. And um, you don't really see that from many of their characters. I mean, you certainly get you know fear on behalf of her mother. Yeah. Right, that that they've been like caught in the act of this treachery. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, Madame de la Pomeray doesn't feel like remorse or contrition regarding what she did. The Marquis never really like. I mean, he's completely unaware of his just you know. He's like an oaf in that story. <laughs> no, he's like a perfidious creature that just like you know has to like kind of. Um, impose himself on a former lover well actually i think that was his wife i think that was his wife Not i don't know that it was clear the relationship how I, formal I, it was well i i think they like, at the very least that they had like a courting but I maybe they I, were actually I, married. I, I think they were married to be honest i think they were i because there, 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 there was there was that one page dedicated to um madame de la pomeray having to kind of face the I guess judgment of her peers other ladies uh, in society as she would have been looked upon someone that was chaste um, until she was married when everyone else can then you know look at her as if she had lowered to their level you know she is now someone that participates in these acts as a result of being married as opposed to, you know, the chaste, kind of the the haughty, the, you know, sanctimonious Madame de la Pomeray that didn't engage in these, these kind of bodily acts that they knew she would now be participating in as a married mm. woman. I, I, I do recall that. So I think okay. she was. No, I, I think believe she, you. Yeah, That's I fair. think she was married. So, but. Yeah, yeah. so that, that story does take up quite a chunk of this story. Yeah. story within a story within a story um 
yeah i mean it wasn't like bad but like well, let's it, move on from that story yeah I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's, that's my least favorite story <laughs> did, did okay i i actually really like to talk about in the introduction <clears throat> there, there were like themes listed and mm. one one that actually was not listed but i thought was so sort of ubiquitous and very interesting within the novel that honestly i was surprised to see it not discussed was like there were many instances and tones of amorality in this story mm. and i like yeah. like i'm kind of in, i would like to, i'd like to discuss like you know maybe any any story relevant to that for a minute because okay definitely one of, one of my favorite stories was like just the entire tale of that debaucherous father hudson <laughs> <laughs> yeah where like <laughs> that 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 guy seemed to be like okay like if morality just like did not exist like <laughs> like how would you live <laughs> like that 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 guy he he almost he definitely struck me as like viewing himself as remember we, we remember we um discussed that movie rope how those two yeah. you remember those two kids like saw themselves kind of like above common morality and they were like the uber mensches so they could do whatever the, yeah, the father yeah. hudson absolutely struck me as in line with that philosophy <laughs> where yeah he was just like life is about like what i can take from it almost <laughs> and like not even in a villainous way but like an amoral way it was like very i just i i was that was a story where i could not put it down until i was done with the story of father hudson it was a good one yeah i, I definitely the, the amoral priest <laughs> yes yes riding around with like, candles because because the whole story was that like he was this just like just like debaucherous father who was just like obsessed with having like as many relations as he could with like <laughs> You know, just kind of, I guess, the women of the town. The townsfolk, yeah. So he, he, and I remember he was sort of shipped in to reform the local, like, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 the church is faltering, the morals are yeah, like falling. Like, He's like, oh, I can help. Yeah, like he was, he was kind yeah. of brought in to, like, you know, sh ship up the, the local church. And he was just, he just, you, you get the sense that, like, he almost, like, installed these catacombs for, like, women to be just, like, brought up through. And, like, you know, so he was just, you know, getting it on, like, up, up in the, up in the father's chambers. And he, but, but remember, it said, he well, was, it was, it's even funnier than that, though, because, because <laughs> remember, one door opens to the streets mm. and the other door opens to like the larger building so like yes. women would just openly come yes. into like like his room from the street and like but no one could you know no one who was a part of like he, the parish could yes. enter his room except yes. through the street so women would come in like in and out of the room <laughs> and like and like visibly so too i mean i remember like the one time where um it was some wife of a man in the village was found to be like in the room so like obviously like the husband was irate i think possibly there were a few commissioners and relatives that had also arrived to you know figure out what was coming you know going on and when an accusation started to fly you know um just kind of like impugning uh hudson he began to what like chant and like in in like in in whatever sort of like church lyrics and they're like <laughs> like then they all kind of just backed off like oh, how could we ever, how could we ever accuse father Hudson? you know what i mean just like <laughs> like, like he's angrily recites like a benediction it's like oh 
but i think it also (laughs) said man here i I think it also referred to him as being severely stern with with the lower priests too where he would just punish anything to a to a a monstrous degree (laughs) (laughs) yeah like in a weird way he actually kind of does like ship up the church you know yes yes the institution is shored up it just under his like he has like this like fist of injustice that comes down on everyone. Yeah, he, because it, it facilitates his debauchery. Yes, no other reason than that. Yes, he he ruled with like an iron fist. And then, like, there's like kind of like the scene where it's like, see, people are trying to like subvert him. And he kind of treats it as a game. <laughs> no, I, it was like it was like I, I actually just like that. That was one of the most duplicitous like sections ever because. You know, because there were, you know, I don't remember like what the inciting incident was, but there was basically like a commission established that was joint between like the law and the other clergy, essentially. And he, he, you, you get the sense that he was almost like psychopathic. I think it involved prostitution, actually. Like there was like a scandal. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it it wasn't that it wasn't, I don't think that that father Hudson had been engaged in prostitution, although maybe that actually he, you get the sense that he was like, you know, he like hears of this, you know, kind of like, you know, investigation committee established. You get the sense that he didn't even like break a sweat over it. <laughs> he was just like, remember like, you know, that the, the, the young girl he was with was terrified and he, you know, kind of just soothed her like, no, no, my dear, like what well, this will be taken care of. And he, and he sets it up where, I don't remember like the, all of the strings he pulled, but the you know the, like, they were he, trying to two priests were trying to catch him in a trap, but yes, he, and, he just and completely he, outplays them. So 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 what so what he does is he he then tells the girl, okay, so he's like, okay, we've been found out. There are two investigators here at the church who are going to turn us both in, right? So he's like, you need to go to these two men and claim <laughs> that like I debauched you, I forced you to do these things. But then, like, set up, like, another meeting and then, you know, and then continue to explain and, you know, tell further of my misdeeds and don't hold back. Tell the worst things you can imagine of me. Mm. So and and so she has, like, these several meetings um, with these guys. And then finally, you know, Father Hudson directs her and says, "Okay, this time you're going to ask, you know, to meet these two men in this specific house, which everybody else knows is a brothel except for the two investigators because they're from outside the town so so she meets these two men in like in the brothel and we learn you know this is like early doesn't matter but father hudson is like has like an in with like the commissioner of the town so then he like then directs the commissioner to go like meet these two men or like to to go find these two priests yeah to find these two priests in the brothel and then Yes. So yeah. and, and they're just like taken away <laughs> two priests in the brothel with a prostitute. And, yes. you know, it was just like exactly what he himself had been accused of. So it was just like I, I and he I, was been doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I just found him like a very interesting case study in like you know s- someone just seeing themselves as like truly above like the like the law, like morality. It was like he's like he's a very interesting test case. Yeah, I, I'm not sure he did yeah. any sort of moral self-reflection ever. No, it's very much just like practical self-reflection. Like, all right, we got some new pups in town. We gotta, <laughs> gotta, you know, teach them to not mess with Father Hudson. A lot of, <laughs> yeah. lot of, a lot of fun like visuals like in that chapter too, where it's yes. or like that section where, um, what's what's the uh, the word for like a fast carriage again? What's the word oh, for like? I, oh, man. 
I because that I yeah that that word shows up and I yeah. did look it up and I, I I forget the name for it. But regardless, like it's really funny because after like these two men are imprisoned. It says that he then got in a fast carriage and rode off like with, with, <laughs> like, with, with, with great haste to Versailles. So, <laughs> so immediately to like, you know, get permission to like, you know, yes, yes. Uh, you know, to was free like, these sh- two men, but to also have them exiled. So <laughs> punish them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the, uh, the term is you're referring to. It's that kind of did not make it through the two weeks. Um, it's a it's a pretty obviously useful term. A Chatelet. Yes. Chevalier. Um, no. It's C H A with not an umlaut because it's German, but like what accent? The, yeah, the, the French carrot is uh, T E L E T, but the last E T has to be silent, right? So it's Chatel. I don't even yeah, know where, what I, page are we on. That, that actually might be where shuttle derives from. One seventy five. I don't know. Uh, oh wait no 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 that's referring to that's actually referring to the brothel house I think <laughs> don't go using yeah, that in okay public. okay yeah it didn't, didn't say <laughs> I rode away I, I did, in a brothel I house <laughs> um, I can't find it was actually you're right it was a great word um, um, I I uh... oh well Sure. Did, but did, did, I definitely got the sense that, like, you know, Father Hudson was the type of guy who just absolutely lived like a hedonic life to like the highest degree he could. And I don't think it, he, he definitely strikes me as the guy that never felt bad about like a single thing he did. Yeah, there, no, there he, was he, pleasures he, and then <laughs> obstacles to his pleasure. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he could delineate he, them very clearly and identify them and deal with them. And that was like the entire framework. And he was like incorrigible until like his last yes. moments. I mean, like yes. later on, like when one of the investigators encounters him at, you know, the like home of some widow or whatever, but like father husband's there. It's maybe, a, I forget how long, like in the future, maybe like a decade or two, but father Hudson, like suddenly arrives at the cottage arm in arm with like a beautiful woman of the town, you know? <laughs> and so like the investigator immediately begins just sort of like, you know, uh, just kind of joking with him about it. Just kind of like, you know, uh, to quote the book, you know, taking the piss, um, you know, with Father Hudson saying, you know, well, certainly, you know, you haven't really changed, um, you know, and he's like, Father Hudson's like, no, I've completely reformed. Like, I now, like, take the scriptures very seriously. Like, I now no longer desire the flesh. And he's like, okay, well, you must at least admit that, like, her hands are beautiful. And he's like, no, I mean, like, uh, you know, maybe in some objective sense, but, you know, not, not, nothing that I would desire. And he's like, well, certainly her thighs, certainly. And then finally, by the end, like, you know, Father Hudson's like, you got me, you know? So, <laughs> so, I mean, like, he, he just, he just hasn't changed. So. No, 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 he, he definitely hasn't. There was also, there was also a lot of amorality surrounding um, <laughs> Jacques, uh, you know, he he's he kind of telling like the tale of his loves in general, like, you know, like his first, like, like th- there's definitely just like themes of amorality running through that as well. I, there was one very funny quote. Um, it, this is Jacques, um, you know, like his master says like, oh, like how many girls have you been with? And Jacques responds, 
that would be like the first chapter of Luke's gospel, a litany of begats from the first one up to Denise, the last. I thought that was, ex- was extremely funny. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. I actually thought that was like um, very, because, very funny. Yeah. This is, a, you know, obviously a very large recurring kind of thing. But like, you know, Jacques wants to tell the story of his, like the specific love um, that we were interested in. And then just like randomly the master just like, what about your virginity? Like, when did you lose your virginity? And it's like the entire story gets derailed. So then Jock can tell this one story. Um, I, that... I thought it was one of the funniest parts that I found was like, um, <clears throat> Jock was like going to begin the story. He like concedes eventually. He's like, but like, what, what about the story of my other love? Like, what about the story of Denise? And he's like, I, I want to hear this other tale. Like, Jock, do not deny me this. Um, but then like Jacques is about to you know, start telling. He's like, as I stand before you now, Monsieur, I was once baptized. And then the master was like, if you intend to start the loss of your virginity with your emergence from the front, <laughs> we're not going to get there very quickly. It's just like, you know, we're like 180 pages. <laughs> That's and, true. And, like, and then Jacques is like, all right, I was once I was born and baptized. Born. <laughs> <laughs> I thought well, that was very funny. Just because I, like, we were so long about this one story. I love to, he's right about to tell the, the tale of his loss of virginity. And the master turns to him and he says, I bet you were deflowered by some dreadful old bag from your village. <laughs> <laughs> deflowered by some dreadful old bag from your village. The, the dialogue in this book is like unparalleled in so many <laughs> The dialogue areas. is fantastic. Yeah. Jacques and his master are actually like fantastic characters. There's such a great dynamic there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys definitely get like, because, because, okay, like Jacques tells the story of his loss of his virginity <laughs> in a way that, again, does not seem to be bashful in any way or sort of like, mm, there's a bit of repentance in his voice or whatever, because it's definitely like <laughs> more of like regret that he got caught because <laughs> it's definitely like a very gray story in the sense that like, you know, I think his master comments at one point. He was like, "We well, didn't have much say in the matter, did she?" And he was like, "He's like, well, you know, what's done is done." I I need, I need to find what his master does, like yeah. whatever, because like his his uh his quotes too good there. It's, it's like very good. Um, that's one of the that's when I I just <clears throat> cackled out loud. It's like so like just just like basically. Oh, he he has sex with his like best friend's girlfriend essentially. <laughs> yeah, bugger the son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mad. That was like a great part too. Like whenever he was like saying like, "Yeah, my son bugger," and the math was like, "What the fuck?" You know, yes. like, hey, and then, son, and then bugger you liar. And then Diderot like you know kind of like addresses the like the, the reader directly. He's like, "You may be thinking, how could someone actually be named Bugger?" And he says, "Well, why not?" <laughs> you can imagine if there was like a a french like a famous french like a patisserie like in paris like you know bugger would have a better like you know sounding name it's like why not he was like if bugger had stormed the bastille or whatever whatever it was you know (laughs) a little early but yeah yeah but but basically the idea is like you know why why do you think bugger is a ridiculous name and then like every line for the next 20 pages like bugger the sun it's like not even the kid's name Yeah. So, well, okay. So, um, I'll just start from the top of this page. This is 186, but he said, okay. And anyway, I was still bitter about her earlier rejection of me by way of reply. I pushed her towards the ladder, which led down to the workshop. She let out a long cry of fear. 
Bugger heard this and said, this is the father. <laughs> yeah, 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 which is another great character. Yes. Um, he, he must be dreaming. <laughs> yeah, so Justine's the girlfriend. Justine fainted. Her knees gave way under her. In her delirium, she said in a stifled voice, he's going to come. He's coming. I could hear him coming up. I'm lost. It, no, no, I replied in a muffled voice. Calm down, shut up, and get into bed. <laughs> She's taking place in the friend's, like, lofted bedroom. Yes, yes. <laughs> she, she persisted in her refusal. I held firm. She resigned herself, and then we were there, the one beside the other. And the master <laughs> bud said, he's like, you traitor, you criminal. Do you know what crime you're about to commit? You're about to rape that girl. <laughs> if not by sheer force, then by force of terror. Yeah. If you were brought before a court of law, you'll be punished with all the severity <laughs> reserved for rapists. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> I love that interjection there. He's like, you traitor, Re- you criminal. Jacques' <laughs> yes. response is so amoral. He's just like, <laughs> Uh, I don't know whether I raped her or not, but I do know that I didn't do her any harm and she didn't do me any <laughs> harm either. It was just like, what? At first, at first she turned her mouth away from my kisses and whispered, no, Jacques, no. At this, I pretended to get out of bed and go towards the ladder. She <laughs> held me back, basically leaving her there for like bugger to find. Yeah. She held me back and whispered in my ear again, I would never have thought you were so wicked. <laughs> <laughs> can see there's no use asking to have pity on me but at least promise me swear to me what the bugger will never know and you're the pro- son i believe the bugger the son master <laughs> and you promised you swore and everything went very well jacques <laughs> and then again very well he just, <laughs> he just he just embraces it <laughs> and then very well again the master has <laughs> yeah, precisely <laughs> yeah. you speak like a man who was there himself yeah, no, that, yeah. <laughs> No, I 100% agree. Oh, oh, he he continues. (laughs) Meanwhile, Bugger, my friend, impatient, worried, and tired of prowling around his house waiting for me, decided to go home to his father, who said angrily, you've been away a long time over nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So he just, uh, just, and then, and then, like, you know, Bugger finds out or whatever, but he forgives. It was just like, (laughs) there's a whole, like, separate set of um, scandals with two other women in the town. Oh, After dude, that. there were so many, like, there was... So that was the story of his virginity loss, but then you have, yes. like, the, the dual... Um, oh, my, I uh, have to... Traitorousness I, again. There, there um, I don't know if we want to find a good page to start, just kind of go through the... Um, no, I know. I, yeah, I, I demand that I'm... It's hilarious. <laughs> okay, so Jacques... Uh, just Suzanne, is that the first one? Well, yes, until it was, like, the okay, wrong name. You can <laughs> <laughs> go on. So like okay, so Jacques set this sets this up by saying he was at some sort of like a like a party or a ceremony or something, a wedding, I think actually. Um, yeah, it was like a very social like <laughs> town event. And it, it, it was a wedding, yeah. Yeah, and there were. These... <laughs> Remember, he was situated between two best men who kept on like who were kind of fools. Yeah, they were drunk fools too. So they were sort of like making themselves out to look like you know just just you know, fools through and through yeah. and their wives you know were sort of like you know just taking an interest in like you know young Jacques he was like 17 18 or whatever um and and uh and you know like they they, they definitely like seemed to show an interest and then he was called by the first one you know she kind of arrived at his house to help her um was it like tend to her orchards or something I don't remember some and, sort of gardening or whatever yeah yeah she kind of like gave him like a very just like you know knowing look 
And so he's like, mm, you know, so he kind of like comes along, but he's pretending like his whole ploy is that he's still a virgin or whatever. So he doesn't know, like, yeah, he pretended know. to act like completely <laughs> innocent during like the wedding. So it's, like, okay. the point, like the women <clears throat> found it a very amusing and like, yeah, and sweet. they, they sort of, you know, they had an interest in sort of, you know, to use Dieter as we're like deflowering him. And yeah. so, and so he's pretending. So, so, so this is Jacques telling the master, you know, cause, cause he says, you know, the, um, uh, Margaret, uh, Marjorie asks, you know, do you know what a woman is? You know, kind of flirting with Jacques and he's and, and Jacques responds, a woman, wait a minute. It's a man, but with skirts, a bonnet and big tits. And his master, <laughs> his master goes, you villain. <laughs> for, for pretending. So, so basically like, you know, he, he had, he had sex with her. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, just like pretending to like not know what he was doing or whatever. Um, ah, this, 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 was, this was like, an, you know, Marjorie became quiet. She took hold of one of my hands. I don't know where she put it, but the fact is I cried out, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Like pretending you didn't, you didn't know where like a woman was. Master goes, you scoundrel, you double dyed scoundrel. <laughs> That would be like any of our reactions of to it. if one of us was telling a story like this. Like you, <laughs> you villain. <laughs> yeah. Um. What? What a. That, and she that... also, and she ultimately finds out, like, like right after it's over, that like, uh, that yeah. like he he had been lying to her. You know. I thought it was um, the second one where he did that. I think it's after the first one. No, because oh. the second one knew she could kind of tell that he wasn't a virgin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like extremely funny because because like he definitely just lied with alacrity to those two women. Also, it just like did not. You get to say he had like zero remorse. I mean, he would probably say like the same thing. He was like, "There was no harm that resulted to me, and there was certainly none to them." Or whatever, you know, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> It was very much like I mean, very similar to um, Father Hudson, you know, it's like I ob- observed that this would be pleasurable and there were, you know, some obstacles to that pleasure and they were easily overcome. Mm. You know, deception, you know, who cares? Yeah, with uh, Susan or Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne. Yeah. So it's like, let's see. That, okay, so the master said, you know, took away the virginity you never had. And Jacques said, that is true, but she wasn't fooled and smiled at me mm-hmm. and said, well, you certainly fooled my husband. God, you're a rogue. I love like the rogue term throughout this book, too, because you can just imagine yes. like the wandering man kind of mm-hmm. going from town to town yeah. who just like, you know, tricks and bedevils people. It's just like the rogue. So. That's basically Jacques, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, it was fun. And like r- right after the, that series of stories, like the, the Father Hudson, the loss of Jacques' virginity, and then the tricking of the two women is when he is when Diderot kind of like addressing the reader says that quote that you said, Giffen. He says, You know, if you are innocent, you will not read my work. If, on the other hand, you are depraved, you may read me without consequence. So it was like, <laughs> it, you know, you, you get the sense that like Diderot himself kind of embraced the amorality of it, where he was like, you know, he was like, well, what, what do you want? Like, do you want me to tell you some chaste story where it was like, you know, no, no, nothing happens? I don't know. It was, I, I, thought, I thought that very funny. 
you know, he, he, he kind of like, he's like, well, you're reading this with pleasure too. Like don't, don't see yourself. <laughs> yeah, Basically it's like the fact that you're reading this far, basically just means you're, <laughs> you know, you're a scoundrel yeah. <laughs> practically. Like, you know, you wouldn't be reading this certainly this far. If like, you know, if you were, you know, innocent, no, <laughs> that, that marks I, you as someone who's enjoying my work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the story about, um, was it, who was he with when, like the uh, the one priest with like a stutter. Um, oh, that was right like, right after. Uh, yeah, because yeah. like I, I mean I won't use any names here, but like there's like this priest with like a stutter who kind of like lusts after like this one wife <laughs> in the town, but he himself is like apparently very short and kind of like deformed looking. One ninety eight ish. I'm finding it. Yeah, and like so. Ooh, let me me down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like he um like ultimately like the priest finds like shock and like this woman like kind of getting it on and <laughs> and like he just like like Jacques kind of like uh I don't know I guess like like just kind of shocks the man by like just exposing the woman in front of him and like <laughs> and the guy can't even like he doesn't even like know how to respond because it says like okay Jacques says Next I undid, okay, this is still Susan, but next I undid Susan's blouse, took her breast, caressed them. She resisted a little. In the barn, there was a pack saddle whose other uses were well known to us. I, I pushed her onto it. I pulled up her skirts and like, and then, so like the priest, like barely able to like contain his anger, he started shouting, murder, fire, the thief. So, yeah. and then the husband, whom we thought was far away, ran in. <laughs> like, <laughs> see the scene. And Jacques's able to like kind of sneak out. So like, yes. the, like it's like the husband sees just like the priest like with with his wife in this room. So like the, he's uh, holding him up with a pitchfork in the air. The priest <laughs> let me down. Yeah, that's yeah, very funny scene. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> Um, I'm looking at my notes <clears throat> for other themes because because <clears throat> that was that was um there there were definitely um <clears throat> okay going going backwards in the book a little bit um he had this quote on 166 <clears throat> that let me find it okay I'll, I'll just read it um because this actually made me made me think of um almost like a, a Sartre's sense of like the nausea or sort of like the general anxiety or absurdity of life creeping in. So um, this is kind of, I think Diderot almost talking directly to us, I think. Um, and he says, there comes a moment when nearly all young girls and young boys become melancholic. They're disturbed by a vague uneasiness, which extends to everything and can find no consolation. They look for solitude. They weep. The silence of the cloister moves them, and the image of peace, which seems to reign in religious houses, seduces them. They mistake the first movements of their develop developing emotions for the voice of God calling them. And it is at this precise moment when nature is calling them that they embrace a life which is contrary to the laws of nature. Their mistake does not last. The voice of nature becomes clear and is heard, and the prisoner falls into regrets, listlessness, swooning, madness, or despair. I actually thought that was a really interesting um, 
like an idea there where i mean i don't know about you guys but like i definitely i don't know like i definitely can't think of like kind of like a, a moment in life where you do actually like develop kind of the ability to feel anxious but i definitely remember like just kind of thinking back to like our younger days for me at least like i they're, they're definitely like I live. I feel like I lived for a very long time without the realization that like bad things could happen or like truly awful things could happen. I don't know. Do, do, do you do you know, kind of like do you sympathize with that? No, hundred yeah. percent. I was like infinitely yeah. more carefree. Than I know. I am now. Yeah. 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 Once that all kind of crashes <laughs> on you, I think there that is a kind of a natural developmental response, which is what he's describing here. You know, like you kind of fall into like melancholy at a certain point you know because you're you're faced with realizations about life yeah um, but you kind of don't have the tools to even address it necessarily no <laughs> you know you, you like... get the one without the other um and then you know he's describing a situation where kind of you like fall into some some poor aspect of religion and you know or whatever whatever it is and then can't really yeah. go back no it's just like people totally deal with that in like different ways where he says like some people fall into like listlessness, some swooning, some madness or some despair. And I, you know, I think he like kind of previously points like turning to religion as like a, as a, as a farcical way of dealing with that too. Right. So it's like, I don't know. I definitely, it's funny too, because I, I feel as though kind of Diderot through Jacques in a lot of ways <clears throat> is almost responding uh, to, to the problem of that, you know, Sartrean nausea with the response of like the, there is kind of no answer, but to almost embrace the absurdity again. And sort of like, you have to like turn towards the thing that is weighing you down and like radically accept it in a way. I don't know. Cause there, there's definitely like, I, I, I maybe I'm reading a bit into this, but then maybe this is just my interpretation, but you know, Jacques kind of fatalistic attitude mixed with his, they're definitely like, we've been talking about like the themes of amorality in this book. It's sort of like, there are no values besides the ones that you choose to embrace. And yeah. like Jacques himself has many times where he very directly embraces the absurdity of life in a way where he's kind of challenged, you know, by his master, by other people, you know, if it's written above, you know, why do you still do these things or whatever? He says, well, you know, it's written above that I'll do them. Like, so I just, I kind of enjoy the ride or whatever. Um, I don't know. Like uh, that part definitely spoke to me um, to a large extent. I'd hesitate to compare it to like nausea in particular, like Sartre's nausea. <laughs> Not very convincing that it would be a 10 um, for me, but um I, th I think I think you're broadly right. Um, I don't know, Adam, it looked like I interrupted you. You can go ahead. No, no. But I, I'll say that I think this book, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said, Jordan, but I will say I definitely think this book is maybe less prescriptive. Oh, yeah, yeah, than, yeah. Than, oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, I was saying that's like what I read it as. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, because I, I think there's... It asks certain, you to... Yeah, I, question. I think I, I think you're right about the outlook, hmm. about the outlook of much of the book, and certainly his condemnation of certain practices, like you pointed out there. Like, hmm. like his, I, he definitely condemns, like, turning to religion as a result. I mean, like, that's, you know, something clear throughout the book as well. But, you know, to embrace the absurd... 
or not to, you know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't know. I think, no, I think it, it, you know what I mean? Like, I, it, yeah, I don't mean to say that I think Diderot is making some sort of like a, a didn argument or a didactic point with this. I don't think there is a therefore to the novel. I was saying that was exactly, something but, that but I, it's, yeah, but it's there, <laughs> but it's there though. You're right about that. Like it's, yeah. it's present. It's real in the book. Um, it makes you address it. Whether it, like you totally, do I do something exactly. with it is, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because totally I, I, I feel like there's almost a, an implicit and inchoate challenge almost to people who would subscribe to like many of these kind of <laughs> absurd. Well, that's the wrong word. Obviously, incoherent forms of meaning in life. Right. Like, you know, like, the you know, the person who embraces the devout, you know, like they they wouldn't be able to get a lot out of this book. But then he would be like, OK, well, you just you're kind of closing yourself off to like many experiences here or whatever, or the person who just like, you know, is melancholic. He would kind of point to Jacques upbeat attitude and be like, okay, well, there's nothing. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot in this to challenge a lot in here. Definitely. And even if, even areas where, you know, it's not as explicit. I mean, like I'm thinking of while you were talking there, I thought of, you know, there's a line in the book where Jacques says, you know, that he, I guess maybe this is like a philosophy he took from his master where, no, not his master, his captain, mm. where he, you know, ultimately rejoices in the stories of like, you know, kind of naughty priests, you know, because ultimately like they're doing good to balance out the image of priests in general, right? <laughs> because like, you know, you know, so it, it's, it's better that they be there to balance out, you know, the influence that good priests have because, <laughs> Ultimately, there's no real substance behind that, and so it's not like as Jack will drink to Father Hudson. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. you know, yeah. he he drinks to like you know the evil <laughs> deeds of certain you know men just to kind of <laughs> just lower the view of what they stand for because it seems like Jacques really stands for nothing. So yeah, it's he, like yeah. don't don't you, without them like the they would seem more legitimate institutions than they are. Right. Yeah. A little yeah, bit of exactly. honesty <laughs> piercing into the world. Yeah. In a way. I, there was also, there was also the narrator. Um, I don't know. The, the narrator also kind of reminded me of something from Sartre's uh, existentialism is a humanism where like the, the narrator kind of um, like several times, but, but one specific one made me kind of think about this where he like, you know, Diderot kind of through the narrator's narrator's voice offers us like, you know, many ways that the story could have gone. You know, he does that repeatedly. He kind of says like, well, this could have happened or you might have expected this to happen, but it didn't. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It just, it just, it, again, it kind of made me think about like that. That's how we like, it, I don't know. This, this point seems obvious, but like that is how we go through life. Like constantly, like any decision we made, we don't know like what the other options would have led to. And there's always that unknown. Uh, and like, it just kind of made me think about Sartre's like, you know, like that, that radical freedom is like what produces the sense of nausea in us. Cause we're just like, uh, he, he says, it's like, we hold like the entire weight of ourselves on our shoulders at every moment of every day, because you are radically free to do anything and you must choose. <clears throat> and by, like it almost kind of like, like reminded me of that, you know, the, the garden of forking paths where like, when you choose one path, 
you, you, you decisively close off the possibility of other paths. You have taken that path. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. That is the path you will have taken in the future going forward. That's it. Yeah. And like, honestly, I, I actually do get like, uh, I don't think anxiety is the right word, but it's like, okay. It, something that like really bothers me a lot is not necessarily choosing one path, but the fact that to choose one path eliminates others. It's the parable of the figs or whatever that I read last time. Yeah. 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 There's a huge opportunity cost that is unavoidable. No matter what you do, you can do the best thing imaginable in your situation and you're still closing off a bunch of other options. And it's also just like, you you are like in a in a like a terrible epistemic position where you never get to know you like you never ever you dude you never get to know and it's like you're blind you grasp at a figure scraps at another figure well i gotta pick you know you'll never know yeah here's how i interpreted those uh those moments in the book um i interpreted them more like in the like the sense of like obviously the critique of literature at the time but here's the more interesting point that i found um, so oftentimes when he lists logical possibilities of what could happen, he, you know, he says they're not excluded, you know, on the basis of logical possibility, but then, you know, as a critical reader, you might be incredulous at the fact, you know, of some of these occurrences happening. Right. Yeah. But what I found interesting was that he still includes a lot of very interesting coincidences throughout the book, yeah. which I thought was interesting because that's an interesting reflection of life, right? Because (laughs) I mean, you, you still encounter lots of crazy coincidences and, you know, happenings that almost just seem there's a certain strangeness to life about that. And I, I found that interesting where he, he said, okay, I'm not going to put these all throughout the novel, but I'm going to include some because that is how life is. So, Adam, can I read you? Oh, in my notes, I have page 238. They find the master's horse from earlier randomly. Seems like something the writer would do or would mock you for wanting, but life without coincidences itself would be deeply strange. So I was was on the exact same wavelength with you there where I was like, the strangeness is just like baked in. Yeah. 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 It's just... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it also reminded me of like one thing that um, I don't know. It definitely, it definitely like reminded me of one thing that we had like talked about a while ago at it, where we were just talking about like luck in people's lives. And <laughs> I don't know. You just said you were like, um, you know, like you're always you're like everyone has just like some shit rolls or whatever like rolls of the dice or what and it's just like yeah it'd be kind of weird if you never got a shit roll and it would be kind of weird if you always got like a shit roll you know what i mean it's just like i don't know it's like it's like completely just stuff like it's just random like it just is yeah. yeah yeah which definitely i don't know which which was like another thing that was kind of um leading me to relate to jacques like almost embrace of the absurd or like, or like the, the, I mean, he, he views it in like predestination terms, almost like something is fated to happen. I mean, obviously that's not how like I'm viewing it, but, but like something akin to that, where it's just like, you know, that's, I think like at the end of the day, like it is kind of meaningless, you know? 
Yeah, which is like it. It kind of relates to in the book. It's the this the narrator speaking, but the narrator says that you know Jacques condemns those who are prudent, but is always prudent himself, right? And what you kind of take away from that is that okay, you know, Jacques's not a true fatalist in the sense that he believes that everything is mapped out ahead of time and that he doesn't have to do anything himself. Like he still has to actively be prudent. But he's he's not self-assured by his prudence in the yes, same way that he mocks yes. others. Others think that if one is prudent, then you know one will succeed in their endeavors. When, yeah, you're when Jacques, destined when, to succeed. Exactly, mm. exactly. When Jacques knows that's not the case, <laughs> which is why he but he still knows that one is more likely to succeed if prudent, which is why he's prudent, yeah. right? So yeah. and whatever I, thinks actually regardless of the outcome like that's why he kind of always makes the comments like ah oh, so this was written above right it's kind of like a self-reflection kind of thing it's like yeah i admit that i had no you know i could was not accessing the knowledge of like what would come mm-hmm. um, but i can make decisions based off like what i thought as like a fallible human and this is how it shaked out interesting mm-hmm. exactly yeah exactly. so definitely agree it always reminds me of I don't know, Adam, you, you might know like who, who said this quote or whatever, but he was like, it was like a football quote. It was by like a running back. And he was just like, uh, you know, you've got to just like, you know, you, you run into the, to the line and if a gap opens up, then you'll be there to run through it. But if it doesn't open up, it's not going to open up, but you, but you have to be there if the gap opens up to be able to run through it. Yeah. Like it, 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 yeah. it very much reminded me of that kind of mentality where it's just like, okay, if I'm not prudent, then of course I can't succeed because like I, you're not being prudent, but if I am, yeah. it's no guarantee of success. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I definitely related to that. Yeah. So, you know, even some surface level contradictions like that about Jacques' character, like, mm. um, kind of speak more of his philosophy. Yeah. They're you know, seeming rather, contradictions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. They're not real contradictions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. I think there's also like, there was, it seems like with respect to that, you know, him being prudent, but mocking people who are prudent. It, it also seemed to me like there's a certain way of striving, which is almost effortful in a negative sense. And then there's a way of doing the exact same actions, but with just a little bit more of like irony or the sense of absurdity creeping in where you can do the exact same thing, but almost like not necessarily enjoy it more, but not suffer as much. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, and, and like that was what I, I got that from Jacques like so much where it's just like. Uh, and, and there's and, a psychological element, kind of similar to some of the other works we've read by all yeah, of these authors, yeah. where there's a psychological element to the yes. philosoph- philosophical positions the main characters are taking. And you do get the sense that like he gets like some solace in the fact that he is aware of like the limitations of himself right which yes. is why he kind of like takes this lighthearted approach i mean it could be anything that happened like you know misery could just like have struck and it's like ah so this was written above you know yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely isn't like yes you know suffering at like the injustice of like him working towards something and then not you know getting yeah. it um because he never thought it would happen necessarily so yeah. I, I, i'm just laughing because i'm reminded of like even some of like the more absurd moments where he says like it was written above. I mean, <laughs> I mean recall like the argument that he got into with his master, was, yeah. where his master was commanding him to go downstairs, <laughs> and and he said and he said like I will not. But 
you know, the hostess comes up and resolves it saying that, okay, I will lead Jacques downstairs and then Jacques will come up and then both of you, both the master and Jacques will speak no more of it. Right. Yeah. So, so as, <laughs> as Jacques like being led away by the hostess, he just like calls to the heavens and just like, so it was written above after all that I would go downstairs. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he like, he like wails it. So yeah, was like, <laughs> that was an amusing scene also. Cause like shortly thereafter, like I think the narrator comments, like, you know, that this um poor woman like the hostess that they left like thought this is the first time they'd done this just like yeah. needlessly and yeah. resolved you know hyperbolically yeah. well, wasn't yeah. it very funny too because didn't she basically like take him like a few steps down but then just immediately turn around <laughs> and come back back up and she, they, like embraced heavily yeah they just embrace <laughs> it's very it was very funny it was very funny no no i i i, I don't know i love that because honestly like i I, I do take that to heart where it was, where it's just like, like chill the fuck out about some shit sometimes. But I, I, I like, I both do it, but I honestly also need to do it more often where it's like, I don't know. Cause like, you know, I like care a lot about some shit. And then if it doesn't go well, or if I'm like pressed to do like, I don't know, you know, with like getting ready to move or whatever, I'll definitely find myself like stressed to get something done. And I'm like, I'll just take two seconds and be like, dude, chill the fuck out. Like you're going to do this either way. Like, why not just take like, take like 10% off and actually just like chill and just vibe and enjoy it. Like put on a little, like you know, Tyler, the creator in the background or something, just, just like chill out a little bit. Like it's going to be fine or it's not, you know, just, yeah, just, yeah. just chill. And afterwards you can just remark, ah, so this was written above. So it was written above. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. What did you guys? I, I don't know. I don't even know that I think of anything about the ending necessarily. Um, I, I, <laughs> the, the like second to last line is a comment about cuckolding. <laughs> that was kind of amusing. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it was actually a combination of cuckolding and what we were just talking about with like, well, it may or may not be written above. Um, like, so I, 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 I found the master's story. Oh, about, that was like, a great like, story about like his own first love as like, I, I love that story. That was an like, amazing story. Yes. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I, I, I did write like the treachery there was like twisted to its core. <laughs> that was such a good story. Do, um, do you, do you want to tell it Adam? Yeah, sure. So I, this is the one where like the names are going to get butchered like Matt. Um, yeah. So Let's see, where do we start with this one? So, so his master um, has been seeing this one girl in the village, okay? And he's got a good friend named Cavalier, Cavalier, Cavalier. How, how are we going to say this? I was thinking name? of it as Chevalier, but that che- might, che- that's che- pretty stereotypically French. I could be... I think, it is, I think it is Chevalier. Chevalier, okay, yeah. Chevalier. So he's got a friend, uh, Chevalier, and he's like, okay, you must get this girl that you're courting, you know, a wonderful gift. Not only like she, not only does she think she's getting like one of the best gifts, but like I've been hyping it up. Her family is well aware of the gifts that she'll be getting. It's like but, a courting gift, essentially. Yes, yeah. but it, but at this point, Nearly like a the proposition. Yeah, but like the master yeah. has no money at this point. So so his supposed friend, uh, Chevalier. Is like okay i know someone that can get us money okay so 
he takes them to like this this shady kind of um room that's like in some loft or whatever with like you know that just you know something bad's gonna go down because there's like this layer of dust on everything all the chairs nothing matches it's completely cluttered this room and this older man comes out and is like okay I'm unwilling to help this time. Like I will not participate in what we're going to do here. So for some reason, the master is like unaware of this dialogue, mm-hmm. but this guy, you know, uh, Chevalier, you know, convinces like this guy, okay, we need your help. Um, so this older guy begins recruiting some other cronies, including this guy who re- he initially refused to deal with, but eventually was convinced to a guy named Merville. So they they go to this guy, Merville, and we're like, okay, we need lots of money, like, now. So Merville's like, okay, you're in luck. Like, you know, there's this woman who deals, like, in fine crafts, pretty much, of, like, you know, gold and silver and mm. certain garments that she'll sell to you, and then you'll go out and sell. So it's, it's like some pyramid scheme, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty you much. Know? It makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> no. So it's like, so it's like, okay, um, so they like buy it off her from like some like enormous sum. And then immediately like certain members of the group start like picking items for themselves and then are like, oh, okay, like um, I'll take like these gold bracelets and I'll put down 4,000 for them. And so, you know, as a result, uh, the master gets like immediate cash and is able to like, you know, buy gifts for like, you know, the woman that he's courting. But these other guys that like said that they would help sell this stuff, like pretty much like sell none of it. Like they sell some of it, but like the rest, like ultimately like is un- like unsold. It's capped. It was like kind of just like uh, just like put into their pockets essentially. Look so, the other way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, much, bud. You got to cough it up. Pretty much like like they all pretty much like took gifts for themselves. Like whenever like the items were purchased, they're like okay. <laughs> like before even selling anything, they're like I'll take like this you know, <laughs> like this gold cuff. I'll take yeah. this fine handkerchief. You know, um, yeah. So as a result of that, there was and, like, and they were like including they, Le Chevalier. They, they would always say like, well, you merely have to sell this item for a bit more to cover the cost or whatever. <laughs> they just, they just pass yeah. off like crooks. Yeah. And Jacques in the middle of the story is like, this smells of shady deals a mile away. <laughs> Um, so it's very obvious yeah, so, to, to so, character like Jacques what's going to happen here. Exactly. So, of course, like, they can't get the money to this guy, Merville. So Merville, like, pretty much hunts him down and, like, sues <laughs> the heck out of him. So so after, like, this occurrence, um, like, the master goes and has, and has, like, some sort of, like, brunch or lunch with, like, this guy, like, Chevalier. Yeah, and picnic or something. Something like that. And... And, the, and like this, like this absolute scoundrel is like, like I was like, I have done something like terrible to a friend, and like the master's like, what, like what is it? And he's like, I've been uh like you know sleeping with the woman that you know a friend of mine is courting, and he's like, but I do feel terrible. So the master's like, you know, surely if you feel like enough repentance, like you know your friend would forgive you, and he's like. He, like and embrace you and then like so Chevalier like, then gets embrace up. me yeah, yeah. <laughs> and embrace me yeah, yeah. so so but he's like he's like me are you scoundrel and then, but then, you but, blackguard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, blackguard's a great one yeah i got i, yeah, I made to, a note of that one i, I have i have to keep that in my lexicon yes <laughs> but 
but so anyway, he's like, okay, but we're going to get back at this girl together. You know, um, oh, yeah, I should. Chevalier kind of mentions, he's like, I kind of was, you know, entranced and like kind of fooled and manipulated by her as well. So he kind of like takes mm. partial responsibility, but also is like, you know, she, you know, is also part of like this issue, like underlying. Yeah, you know, but, but, but totally, the whole like, family, really. Yeah, but, 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 like, one of the best things, though, yeah. is like, uh, <laughs> this, is like so, this is so twisted. But the, the master's like, he's like, okay, like, my one request, actually, before like they even like get into this like, like debaucherous deal, but like the master's like one request is he's like, at least tell me what it was like. Mm. He's like, it must have been like really good, right? And like, uh, like, like that absolute black guard chevalier, it was just <laughs> like, he was like, he's like, Oh well, if only like the pleasures, like if the pleasure could like outweigh like like the duplicity of the act, he's like it would be well covered. So it was like <laughs> so he, he basically like painted this picture of him like sneaking into her quarters every night for the past what like six months or something. Like that. It was <laughs> yeah, this entire yeah. time the courting is happening. It was crazy. The real scoundrel. Yeah. yeah so meanwhile, like when, oh. the master like hasn't gotten anything out of this deal except for like obligations. And no, deaths. No, I mean, th- this is this is where it gets just like twisted to like a like a like an old cedar root. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, okay, well, better than hearing it from me, would you rather do it? Like, do exactly what I've been doing? And like, the master was like, pretty much, yeah. So so he's like, okay, you're gonna enter into the house at the same time that I enter. Like, she puts like these basil leaves on, like you know the. Uh, like the window ledge to indicate that like she's ready for it. So he's like, you need to dress like I dress, enter the same way I enter and like, you know, follow the same cues I follow. So he's like, what you're going to do is you're going to go in there and sleep with her for a few nights. And then we're both going to sneak in. And then like, ultimately we're going to have like a romp with her at the same time. (laughs) And, And like, and like, and then she'll wake up like between both of us. So I, I, I think the idea was that they were going to like take turns and then she would wake up between both of them. Like exposed um, for her yeah. abolishness. <laughs> Ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it actually works out pretty well for like the first few nights where like the master does sneak in and like and do that. None the wiser. But the Blackguard Chevalier um, like pretty much like contacts the authorities and her he, father. He, yeah, so, yeah. So, I was like, my, my, my jaw was actually just like a jar reading this because he like, like, uh, Le Chevalier, uh, uh, contacts the authorities, but he himself like both contacts the authorities, but also like alerts the house, it seems, and has crept up. Like he has entered, he kept like, you know, a key for himself and entered through the street door and basically bursts the door open while they're in the act uh, and catches them red handed. Uh, Oh, this was like this. This was like, like the depths of duplicity. So he's caught red handed, like basically just, you know, devaluing their daughter essentially uh, because it's like a noble family. So, you know, there's like a high toll that the family is charging almost. You get the sense it's like legal uh, to to the master to sort of like repay the, like the family's losses or whatever. But it turns out that like, you know, uh, Le Chevalier had gotten like this girl pregnant and 
he he ha- like didn't want to support her and be sort of like tie it down to that. So he swapped places with the master and in alerting the authorities, his master then had to like pay the dues for the child rearing for like the child's <laughs> life. Continually. Like he, yes. that, that's what like Jacques and his master end up like after we haven't heard about it for 200 pages, we find out that they were going to the town where the son is. Yes. Right? Like yes. This, this, this bastard son who's actually the spitting image of Le Chevalier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So he had to like raise his like, his, his, like to this day, his son. <laughs> Yes, yeah, this complete like, villain. So, so I, just, I, I I did enjoy like the part where like uh like Jacques like speculating like what this young boy could become, and he's just like because like a, 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 it's like clear that you know the boy is going to be trained as some sort of tradesman, mm-hmm. and and like Jacques like well he could become anything, mm-hmm. and like the master's like well you know he's like he could become the next Oliver Cromwell. He's like <laughs> or he could even become the you know the guy who held the axe who. Could, who killed the king and like <laughs> and like and like clearly the master is like disturbed by this he's like that's enough <laughs> it's not like, it's just like <laughs> the speculation ends here yes yeah. yeah and he was like why couldn't he become the man who held the axe who killed the king <laughs> <laughs> if he puts his heart to it i like the like the ending was one of those things where like it, it was one of those coincidences almost where he where like you know because they basically are like reaching this town uh and where the they, sun is yeah like, you don't know that like that's where their journey has been headed and uh le chevalier uh just emerges from like one of the buildings and the master just like charges him and kills him <laughs> so sorry <laughs> Then the map with the master. It's like, absolutely <laughs> absurd because, like, you don't. So I, I'm sure you guys have the same, same experience I have, where you're not even sure what just happened. Because, like, no, the dude, I, I literally, I, I literally thought I had skipped a page. I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, what? Because yeah, like, because because Jacques was just ordered to go like to like the nearest inn to see if they had any wine because they were like sitting out outside yes. the town, like they I, I come yes. on the outskirts of the town. They were tired. They wanted to just like sit for a little bit and just like, you know, chill, but they were both out of wine. So his master was like, okay, go check like the nearest household slash in and see if they have any wine. Yeah. And then suddenly like Jacques turned back and like <laughs> yes. his master's like charging him with, the- <laughs> with his sword. Just <laughs> and then he murder. slays him. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then he rides away like mad. And suddenly like Jacques, like now in prison, appears in front of a judge. Like it's like the whole thing happens within like half a page. Yeah, it was the very end of the book. Yeah, Jacques is arrested and thrown in jail. But then later his master is caught and arrested in another town. Like he had fleed to like the neighboring town. And eventually, it's not even made clear how, but Jacques escapes the, the, his imprisonment and joins a raiding party just to like kind of, you know, do something, I guess. And then they raid the town with the master in it and set him free. So it was like, what? And then so then they're all kind of like he and his master and these raiders are now in this random town where they're all free and they're united with like, Many of these other characters from the story, they're like uh, Deglans, uh, Denise, like the master, like all of these people are just like randomly in this town. It was like, I was like, what? It was like one of those. It almost obs- like, I think it's like within, it's a two page, two like fifty one is where we find out it was like a Chevalier who was just like charged and killed. That's like four pages from the end. Dude, dude it, 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 it made like, it made like no sense. Um, 
but then but then like like I I I don't even like okay like th- this is like the last two or three paragraphs of the book where it was like okay a few days afterwards the old concierge of the chateau died jacques secured his place and married denise with whom he occupied himself in raising disciples of zeno and spinoza loved by de glans uh, cherished by his master and adored by his wife for thus it was written above it has been claimed that his master and de glans fell in love with his wife uh i do not know if this is true but i am sure that at night he used to say to himself if it is written ab- up above that you will be cuckolded no matter what you do you will be if however it is written above that you will not be cuckolded no matter what they do you won't be so sleep my friend and he slept it was like what? <laughs> the end of the novel that's the very end like the end of the novel is him like fretting that his master's just like hanging his wife essentially and he's just like <laughs> what no but like it's like wrapped up with this like the narrator himself who's telling us the story this whole time is like yeah i'm not really sure what happens after like le yeah, chevalier like, got murdered by the master he, he like, like speculates on possible like versions he's heard and then like <laughs> the last word is like as you said it's like his the narrator <laughs> thought that what jacques might have been thinking according to one of the possible endings of the story <laughs> yes, it's yes. like <laughs> It was like, if I'm destined to be a cuckold, then I will, then I will be. <laughs> That's it. And I slept. <laughs> At the very end. The, I mean, like, I, I guess it just rings true to, like, the non-narrativity almost of, of, of all of, like, the kind of, you know, chapters in Jock's life where he was just sort of like, there was no... There was no character building. There was no character arc. It was just, like, these almost... um like episodes of his life in a sense where he was just like, let me tell you the story of this time, you know, like I, I you know, def- I was deep flowered in the barn or, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, I don't know. He, 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 um, like it just kind of ends how it started with like a very vagabondish life where it's just like, um, I don't know. It, it, de- it definitely struck me as a, a non arcing story. It's just yeah, it's like, like an sh- anti-novel in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. You start and Medius rests and you end kind of like sort of and <clears throat> Medius rests. Yeah. Um yeah. It's really you know, you, you don't even really end. The narrator's like, yeah, I'm not really sure how it ends. <laughs> it's like I've told you everything I know. Yeah. In terms of in terms Very of story. plot, you could you could probably argue like the climax was in the final four pages. I mean, yeah. like I mean One, just like, two fifty one. I think that's where it is. Because it was a shocking change of pace, yeah. When like the master charges, like like his mortal enemy. <laughs> it's absurd. It was so absurd, actually. Dero is so funny, though. Like he would be such an oh. interesting person to hang out with. Like he. Uh... Oh my god, he would be such a like like a, like. He would be like one of the perfect people to have like drinks at the bar with. Because, I mean, it's obvious that he's a polymath, that he's yes. a great writer, and that he's just so funny, too. Yeah. Like, so. You villain. <laughs> you blackguard. <laughs> yeah, no. Very funny. Structure um, could be difficult to get back into if you pause. Yeah. But overall, like, the comedy is just, it, it's yes. pretty fantastic. I, I I would say that this is possibly sort of like if if I were spending a, like a week at the beach on like a family vacation, I can imagine no book that would be better to read in that circumstance. Than oh, this. I actually so agree. 
Yes. Yeah, this is actually a perfect vacation sort of read. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a novella, short. It's funny. A, it's, uh, I, I can imagine pleasure-y. simply nothing better actually than this. You're actually so right on that because it <laughs> what because whenever I, I I did have long stretches to read it, it was like a ten out of ten. It was hard though to read it in short bursts. Yeah, yeah. just just given the nature of the writing style. Yeah, uh, this was meant yeah. for like an aristocracy that had no labor to you know engage in. <laughs> That's so, true. it is true. Yeah, I don't know if uh, if if honestly if like if you're listening now, it what we've discussed you might you may think to yourself like okay it's not worth reading like I've already I've already like heard a lengthy discussion of it like no no you you you, you have to read this in my opinion it's so good this is I, I I think I've talked myself into an easy nine with this book I mean this yes. book is like this book is great yes so, yes it's yeah. great but I'm gonna stick with my eight and I can either be <laughs> labeled a fool for that or be vindicated in time well, you, you're so miserly with grading anything high. It's a bell curve. What can I say? Like, a, like, a, like an eight. Like, like eight's a good eight. work. No, an eight is an is a normal man's ten. Is a non miser's <laughs> ten for you. you. You're so stingy about praise. You, 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 you're a praise grubber. Well, I, I think, I think, Giffen, you gave a nine to No Term Underground, right? Even that wasn't a 10. You wouldn't even give that a 10. You can't go any higher than a 10. That's (laughs) claiming some perfection that man is not capable of. Well, there there could be many 10s. I mean, mean, we're only reading great novels here. We're not reading like, (laughs) just like, you know, hop on pop. (laughs) 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 That was a childhood 10 if there ever was one. (laughs) Give it, give it. What's a 10? I want to know. Like a a book, because you've read a lot of books. What would you give? the best book you have read i'm not i'm not gonna hold you to it but i'm saying that like you know only, first, I mean, like, to be frank only i think it's denial of experience reaches a 10. <laughs> it's the only thing that really resonated with me just up and down <laughs> um i don't know i think i like it just like by nature like opposed to like giving things tens like I'll grade something in the <laughs> nine for sure. I mean, like, <laughs> it's like a ten point zero. Like it doesn't go any higher than that. It's like a okay, nine point nine is in the ninth, and then ten point zero is a very strong. Do you love me, point. Giffen? I, I wouldn't say I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... you could say I pity you. <laughs> okay, this is but... all derived from me giving. <laughs> Shark the fatalist and eight. <laughs> in I, eight. I, I yeah. am interested though. What is the best book? If you said like something that had to be like a you know, it's it's over a nine, something you've read over a nine. I I would give Notes from Underground over a nine. I really enjoyed it. You would, it. okay. Yeah. Okay. So that would okay. probably be something that's yeah. like, you know, in the the highest tier. So if there's a Mount Rushmore of like my, you know, favorite kind of novel or novella forms, that's on there. Fair. There Fair. isn't a Mount Rushmore, but if there had to be one, <laughs> gun to my head, and that's the only situation in which there would be one. If I had to say something positive, I would deign to put in an eight. <laughs> <laughs> a mere nine point nine. I've I've got lots of nines and tens because yes. it's just like because like a nine and ten for me is like a work where you know maybe a nine like this book I had like minor criticisms like i said 200 of the 250 pages i adored 
and, and 50 pages in the middle. Hmm. It's like, you know, I take it or leave it with a five in that area. You know what I mean? Yeah. The rest of 10 is pretty harsh. I was surprised by that. I think that's lower than I, what I gave it. I, I struggled through that section. I sh- maybe maybe I was just super busy that week too, so it was just the nonstop pick up, put down, pick up, put down. But it was like that's true. The structure uh, can really amplify that as well. But it, but it got to the point where I was like looking up words on my phone, you know, certain French mm. terms and stuff like that. I I would be there for half an hour and I'd gotten through like four to five pages. Yeah, that's, that's and, 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 and I, it, it was just like that section alone where I was just like really it was a slog. But but so like a nine for me is like. The book was amazing, minor imperfections. Mm. You know, yeah. a ten, a ten is like okay. I'm not saying it's like the best book of all time, but I am saying that for what it is, I loved it so much that I like the imperfections and all, right? Mm. Like, like, like the little mm. kind of quirks and idiosyncrasies of the book. Like, that's what makes it even better. Like, um. I don't know what I would give a 10. I'm sure I do have 10s. Mm. Um, Surely, he says, after minutes of mockery on me. <laughs> I, I, no, but I know I do have 10s, though. Like, I, I'd have to think about it. Like, Hop on pop's the only thing. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, the, <laughs> oh, the places will go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Truly a work of unbridled genius. <laughs> Uh, I definitely, I wonder if this was honestly idiosyncratic to not only me, but me at the time, but there was, I would definitely say like a book that, I mean, first of all, I'm prepared to give both this book and Notes from Underground a 10. Um, Not in the sense that they're the perfect book, but in the sense that like, what more do I want? How greedy could I be? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like how, how much more could I want? Um, I'm willing to be greedy. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 you're I can imagine a universe in which Notes from Underground could have been slightly improved. <laughs> so it, it does not get the 10. <laughs> Meanwhile, like your B plus English papers coming back. <laughs> An outrage. This, this work of genius from Dostoevsky could have been better. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Razor's Edge by M. Somerset. I don't, I don't know if it's pronounced Magam or Maham. Or, or... M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> not, not, not quite. Okay. Um, I honestly, if I if I reread that today, I'm not sure if I would say that it was maybe like it was maybe kind of the perfect book for me to read at the time. Um, but it's but it's again like a. I think it's a it's a, it's a a novella that is sort of like fictional asterisk where it was like based on supposedly people he he knew in real life or whatever. But um, I, I really enjoyed that read. Um, I think it's kind of like it's best summarized as like an exploration of different types of lives that one could lead. It's, it's, I don't know. It's a very, it's a good book. I think those three might be, might be like tens for me in the sense that again, they're not perfect, but what more could I ask for? Fair. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to have to give a lot of thought to a 10. I shouldn't have mocked because I, I can name a lot of <laughs> You can't nines. name a single one. It's actually so true. I, I take back everything. I can't name a single 10 because I... Glorious. I'm vindicated. <laughs> the dark side is one. He's like, hop on, pop, and go dog, go swirling it out of his mind. He's like, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> 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 Vindicated again. 
<laughs> the vindicator. <laughs> oh, no, it's a right. tough question. Like, um, yeah, but no, this yeah. is good. This is a really good read. Yeah, because like, was there any work that was like, you know, truly more outstanding than like what we just read? I'm Did, trying to give it some thought because like, cause are there like, are we including papers in this or does it have to no, be books? No, okay, okay. no, no, book. no, it has to be a book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's notes from underground. That's like the easiest one to pull from. We read it recently. I really enjoyed it. Um, when I first read it and rereading it. So, yeah, definitely better than this. Just for me, um, I'd probably again notes from underground in the nines, Jacques the Fatalist in the eights. Kind of where I'm at. You know, I'll I'll say this. Certainly, I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying it's better than Jacques the Fatalist. Um. But I would say it could be. I'd have to reread it, but A Thousand Splendid Sons. Mm. Um, mm. You recommended that to me before. Yeah, I think I think that may be one of my favorite books of all time. Is that so, one that we should uh, do in this series? Is that a novel or a novella? I thought it was a little bit longer. It, it's, it's, more, it's more of a novel. I mean, I don't think okay. it's much longer than Jock the Fatalist. Oh, it's okay. 250 pages. So this might be like three to 400 or something like that. But okay. um, same author is like like the Kite Runner. So okay. I'm sure you've heard of that one. But yeah, yeah. A Thousand Splendid Sons was definitely a nine or a 10. So, mm. but maybe closer to a 10, to be honest. That one was crazy. Um, but oh shit, I have another 10, and this is a true 10 for me in the sense that I actually can't imagine how this would be perfected uh, or uh, yeah, increased. Yeah. Uh, The Story of God by Chris Matheson mm. that is one of my favorite books of all time. I actually said that we should do that as an episode one time. I'd be, I'd down, be, down. I'd be, I'd be down to read a 10. It is, so. it's, it, it is so good in the sense that it's, um, I won't spoil anything, but it's basically who? like Chris Matheson, it's, um, uh. <clears throat> Um, it's like a story of the Bible from God's perspective, but it's like a, but it's Biblical like a comedy about love and hate. It, it's actually like, it's so good. It's so good. Actually. I, um, I, I'd be so down to read it. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, hundred percent down to read that. That sounds perfect. Um, but also it reminded me of a, another thing that I liked about Jock the fatalist. It was one of the, um, moments where like, for some reason, uh, the master was describing to Jacques, like Tante's like divine comedy. It's like, he was describing like, like, you know the inferno and describe like mm-hmm. what it's about like describe the layers of hell and then jock's like it's an odd thing to write a comedy about <laughs> it's like, it's like, like what the hell yeah um, but you know um i'd be totally down yeah um, um okay well, let's discuss what we're gonna do next but let's let's end yeah. the episode um yeah i don't know if this will be a one part or a two-parter but okay last if you haven't just just actually buy the book it's like eight dollars online it, it is i can't imagine regretting this read it's too good buy it read it i'll buy it tonight yeah. By tonight. No, I'm serious because I, I need to oh, buy some oh. books anyway. I was, so. I was referring to Jacques the Fatalist, but yeah, but no, but I don't think I guess I will read it after all. I I I I I forgot. Having bullshit is with you. Yeah, making up the story that somehow aligns perfectly. He's hearing Jordan say a ten. He's like, damn, I should have read this book. <laughs> That's so funny. Seven weeks into reading it, like, damn. <laughs> oh my god! I forgot. Right. I, forgot I, I forgot. Whenever you uh, stop recording that damn Zoom, you know the session has stopped recording. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to come up. Yes, yes, of course. No, yeah. all right, all right. But yeah, I hope I hope people enjoyed the episode. Tune in next time. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Plato's Cave. Um, I always enjoy discussing topics with, uh, with these two guys. So if you want to um, support the show in any way, you can do so simply by sharing it. Uh, I'm hoping to get this show out to more people. Uh, and so if you want to share it on Twitter or social media, that would really help me. Uh, you can also rate it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, like this video if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe uh, via Apple Podcasts or an RSS feed. Uh, you can also discuss it on your own show and link back uh, to my website. Or you can connect me uh, with recommended guests or topics to cover. Uh, you can get in contact with me at Plato's Cave Podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jordan underscore C underscore Myers. And I now have a website for my philosophy endeavors at jordanmyers.org. If you want to know a little bit more about me and my fellow co-hosts, um, as I said in the introduction, I'm a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston. I did my undergrad at the University of Pittsburgh, where I studied mechanical engineering and philosophy. And now that I'm back at school, I'm hoping to more closely study uh, moral responsibility, free will, ethics, epistemology, and moral psychology. Those are topics that I was uh, introduced to and got really interested in in my undergrad work. So uh, Adam and Giffen accompanied me on this show, and Adam is uh, one of my oldest friends. We actually met in kindergarten, um, and we've been interested in philosophical topics for as long as we can remember, and in a lot of ways, it's been the basis of our friendship. Uh, Adam studied chemistry and biology at Cornell, and he is currently working at a law firm. Um, and he's especially interested in moral responsibility as well, but also law, religion, and free will. Uh, Giffen is also one of my oldest friends, and uh, we've been friends since elementary school as well. Um, Giffen studied biology and economics at RPI, and now he works in human health research. Uh, he believes that there's very interesting overlap between both of his fields of study and philosophy, and he's particularly interested in exploring political philosophy. So this series was right up his alley. Um, and with, uh, with all of that information, again, I hope that you enjoyed uh, this episode, and I hope that you get in contact with me or, or follow my work in any way that you uh, deem reasonable to do. So with that, thank you for listening.